I think I'd love to inspire a, a new generation of marketers. And by, by new generation, I don't mean I don't mean like a younger generation coming through. I just mean a, a, a new generation of people wanting to do things differently. Um, I really want to get through to marketers and, and people like small business owners who are fulfilling a marketing function. I really want to get to those people and teach them that there is a there is a better way to be doing things and there's a different way to be doing things that is more congruent with who you are. So I know a lot of people have that icky feeling about sales and marketing um, and there is a better way to do it. You don't have to do it and feel like that, you know, um, and if you feel like that, you're, it's probably being done wrong. Um, so trust that feeling. Um, so I'd, I'd love to get through to I'd love to inspire that grouping of people who are looking for that different thing or who are feeling that disconnection with, you know, like, surely it doesn't have to be like this. Surely I don't have to be doing this stuff. I, there is a way that you can create content in a way that that gives you deep joy. <laughs> you can have that. That's that's the people I'd love to inspire, the, the movers and shakers and troublemakers. I'm Johnny Prest, and this is the Brand Master Flash Podcast. Your brand is your community. It's their instinctive connectedness with you in their hearts and minds. This podcast explores how to define and deliver a brand strategy that is true to who you really are. It will inspire your team, connect you with your customers, and make a positive difference. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Johnny here. So a very long, long time ago, about 18 years ago, I started working in marketing. Now I came from a design background, so I was more involved in the creative, but I was involved in marketing campaigns and projects. And like most marketeers, I consider myself a marketeer now, I think most of us really love our industry. And the reason why we like our industry is that it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing. So the media in which we communicate to customers is changing. The technology is changing. And I suppose ultimately the way that consumers behave now, the way that we buy things and engage with things is changing. It's a constantly evolving industry. And because of that, marketeers are always talking about marketing. Business owners are always talking about marketing because we're always trying to get ahead of the game. We're trying to understand where things are going and what's around the next corner. And really, we're trying to understand people. Why do people buy certain things? Why are they interested in certain trends? So we're always trying to stay ahead of the game. Now, within that, within marketing, we can go much deeper. There's a level of science in there. There's a level of magic and alchemy. So we're always trying to understand people's brains and the way people think. And I've, I'm really interested in this. From a brand point of view, it's quite important that we understand people and what people want and how people feel in their hearts and minds. So I'm trying to understand the way that people think. And I got introduced through Marketed Live, a really, interested pers- a really interesting person. Her name's Kenda MacDonald. Um, she's the founder of Automation Ninjas. And she's also the author of this book here. Hack the buyer brain. Now I've been reading this and 
it's so refreshing to read a book about marketing and sales that not only talks about brand and brand building, but really discusses and dives really deep into the way that people behave and the way that people think. So I, I absolutely love this book and I thought I need to reach out to Kendall and I need to talk to her about her work and the things that she does at Automation Ninjas and a little bit more about how this book came about, how she got into psychometrics and psychographics, how she got into behavior and psychology and how that's played a part in the way that she does her business, the way that she engages with her customers and also how she's looking to the future and seeing where technology is going and how marketing is changing. So I got to interview her a few weeks ago as we, as I record this, it's kind of mid-May uh, and we had a really cool conversation all about marketing, all about sales and all about hacking brains. So this is Kenda McDonald. Enjoy. So Kenda, thank you so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting being here. Cool. I'm going to jump in and start talking about the book because I'm reading this book at the moment and I'm if you can see where all my dog eared where I'm reading it I'm about <laughs> halfway I am the slowest reader in the world because <laughs> you know what I do when I read I'll read like a paragraph and then I'll sit there and I'll think about oh that's quite interesting and then I'll get my phone out and I'll be googling I'm just checking something and then I'll be reading a bit more then I'll have to go actually I'll go back a few pages so it takes me about audiobooks are just get through really quickly but a hardback book it takes me ages to get through but I'm absolutely loving this book thank you and, and that's the best way to read a book because you're going to retain so much more information than most people who just like like storm through it um so you're doing a great job there but thank you that's it's really lovely for you to say <laughs> you know what I love about it is this is the first time I've read loads of marketing books I've read loads of uh sales books I've read kind of any, anywhere in between. It's more about philosophy or psychology. This is the first book that I've read that has all of it in there. And what's really interesting about this book is because it, it jumps from brand, it jumps from marketing to psychology, loads and loads. You've obviously done loads of research because it's, it's kind of almost like academic in some ways because of the amount of research you've done. But I want to go back before the book. How, how did this come about? Where did it start? Um, so it originally started in South Africa, which is where I'm from. Um, I'm from just outside Cape Town in South Africa. And um, it started when I wanted to study forensic psychology or forensic pathology. Those were the two things I was going for. And I got offered a placement in the British police force because uh, I have an ancestral visa so I could come and live and work in the UK. And um, so I ended up leaving South Africa fresh out of high school, <laughs> coming to the UK and really wanting to get into that. And um, it didn't quite work out the way it was promised because I, I had to naturalize in the UK first, which wasn't made clear during the recruiting process. So I had about five years at which I had to spend time in the UK and I had to basically get jobs and, and do stuff. And after about two years of not studying, I felt like my brain was just turning to mush. <laughs> and I felt like I really had to go back to university and go back to school and study. So I ended up paying my own way through uni. Um, and I was studying forensic psychology with Birkbeck. And um, I had to just get loads of odd jobs to pay for it because I was an international student, uh, you know, no recourse to public funds, that kind of a deal. And um, one of the jobs was in marketing. Um, one of the jobs was a, was a dude, um, I was a PA for a guy who was uh, working in marketing automation. 
and it was just really such a beautiful juxtaposition of time because I was learning about marketing automation, something I'd never, ever encountered before and was not part of my life plan and where I wanted to go and also learning about how the brain works. And it was just so interesting because I could see how the things that we were doing in that company weren't catered for the brain. They, and, and they weren't quite ticking all the boxes that I was learning about as I was studying. And I think, it, you know, just down to fate that those two things were happening. And that started the chrysalis of an idea. What if we started understanding, taking that understanding of what we now have of what the brain is capable of doing and how the brain works? And what if we applied that to our everyday marketing strategies? How would that change? How would you build better relationships? How would you get higher conversion rates? And it was just... That was the chrysalis of it. That's where it started. And, you know, sort of six years later, here we are. It's <laughs> amazing. We, we work in a funny industry, don't we? Like, it's an industry that's constantly evolving. You know, like you'll probably have, I, re I reckon there'll probably be five versions of Hack the Buyer Brain in the next 10 years, because you've got to keep rewriting it. We, we work in an industry that changes constantly as humans change, our yeah. purchase, purchasing behavior changes, the devices in which we in which we kind of use to buy things. How, how quickly do you have to write this type of book to make sure that it's still relevant by the time it gets published? But I think that's the thing that you're really lucky with in a lot of psychology, um, is that once you have these kind of foundational discoveries, so a lot of what the book was built around is two specific things. One is how we pay attention. Um, and the other one is how we actually make a purchase decision, because those two things really combined pretty much cover the entire marketing journey and that entire relationship building journey that businesses are trying to do with consumers. And those two discoveries, while we keep adding to them and we add our understanding of them, their cornerstones are very, very solid and they're not going to change. So I was quite lucky in that respect in, in that those two things are pretty foundational. They're not going to change too dramatically. But yes, definitely all the other little it like nitty gritty things, like how you actually implement that, that is going to change massively. And it's why I started book number two. <laughs> so there will be like a, it'll be like a, a slightly different version of, of this. It's not covering the same stuff. It's just taking those concepts and going further um, with them and getting more in depth into it. Um, but I'm quite lucky in that, you know, those are really foundational pieces of things. The purchase formula, that's how the brain understands purchase. That happens. And how we pay attention is just how it is. And we just have the neuroscience get back up now. We can actually see how the brain is doing that. So in, in that respect, it shouldn't need to be written or rewritten. It can just be added to. Which is all right. I'm quite happy. It's a nice foundational, stable piece of content. That's why I really like your approach to marketing and sales, because you, you come from a, a human point of view, from a behavioral point of view, from a psychology point of view. And like you said, you know, we're, we are human beings and we're going to be the way that we are for the next, you know, good few decades. So that, that your approach is, is, is built on common sense and the foundations is built on common sense. And then obviously a lot of things that we see in marketing, whether it be go to a talk or read a book, it's very tactic driven. So it's very like, you know, use this type of email or use this type of social media. And, you know, I think, I think lots of marketers swear by their, I wouldn't say their niche, but their tactics of what they do. And actually what we realized that it's, it's got to go deeper than that. It has to go from a human point of view. Uh, and that's really why I'm enjoying reading this book. Oh, thank you. I think it's, it's one of the things that's really driven me is that 
it's not good enough for me when someone says, oh, this is the new way to do something, because I want to know why. Like, and not just from like, this is a new tool, so Clubhouse is the new thing, or, you know, this email sending provider is the new exciting thing. Not just from that, but from understanding why is it the new thing? What is it that's causing that to be exciting to people? It's, it's always going that step deeper. It's my frustration whenever you hear the word psychology used in marketing. It's very often some piece of pop psychology that's been taken totally out of context. And yet the, the understanding of the core drivers of human behavior isn't there. It's like one thing that's been turned into a tactic, one tiny little piece of insight that's been passed on and on and on. Like, you know, cognitive bias is the, the new buzzword. Everyone loves a good cognitive bias because they're like, oh, if I make this one little change on the sales page, I'm going to get, you know, a 2% uplift in conversions. And everyone's really excited by that. But you haven't understood the main driver behind why that cognitive bias works, which means you can't apply it to everything. And it's not stable then, right? So I like coming at it from a from a deeper angle. I want to know why all the time, which I think makes me a very irritating person. <laughs> no, I like it. Actually, one of the best books that I've read in the last 12, 12 months was Start With Why. It was um, Simon Sinek. It's an yeah. amazing book, and I'm probably going to read it again soon. Um, right, I've got some of these... I call them quick fire questions, but actually they often give the longest answers, but they normally give the best answers as well. So I've got, I've got a three for you. First one is what's the most important thing that you've learned in the past 12 months? Oh, Oh, that's a big, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I don't think it's something that I've learned as much as has been really evidenced in the last 12 months. So obviously the last 12 months has been, uh, tumultuous for most people. It's been a bit all over the place and very exciting and interesting. Um, I think the thing that's really been evidence for that is the, the power of owned media. So the power of really owning your space, owning your, um, owning who you are as a brand, owning who you are as a business, owning who you are as, as human beings in a company connecting to human beings as consumers. And owning that has been more important now than it has ever been. And um, so it's been really, it's been really lovely, me having known that and trying to get people to understand that and then watching how this situation, this COVID situation we've been through has really helped businesses connect with that and see that how important that is. And I think businesses are now starting to think more, a little bit more long-term. How do we build those long-term relationships? How do we do those things and stopping focusing on those, those tactics? I think that's been the biggest thing that I've kind of um, learned in the last, in the last 12 months is just focusing on that long that longevity of owning things and helping businesses do that because we don't do that enough in marketing we, we tend to focus on quick things right now what what give me some examples of owned media what would what mm. could that look like then so that's this podcast this is your owned media isn't it this is your little your corner of the world the thing that you've carved out that people come to you for it could be my book my book is my owned media it's the thing that i've created that people come to me for um it could be you know a talk that you go and do and that you know it could be a youtube channel it could be your blog those those pieces of collateral that content that you put out there that isn't just content it is unique enough that people know when they see that that it's you so they can connect you with that so for instance when people see the psychology and the marketing element together they know that that's me that's my owned media that's that's my thing 
um, that I own. It's my USP effectively, but it's connected to the content I'm creating. Um, and so various different people will have their own varieties of owned media. So we know when we talk about marketing automation content, most people think of HubSpot because HubSpot's owned media is so strong in connection to small business resources that they provide. Um, and various different tools have various different things, but HubSpot's well known for that content creation. And I'm known for that thing. So owned media is really important in that respect. And is that is that because the you know the fact that it can be repurposed, it's evergreen, it's long, it's long a lot of it's long form and it's long tailed as well. Is that so people can keep go back and revisiting it and seeing it and listening to it and reading it? Yeah, and and so that people can build a relationship <laughs> with that. You know, people can effectively build um can understand how you're different from your competition they can understand how you're different from everybody else out there they can really connect with who you are they, it adds value to them which of course is good for the brain because it increases that reward functionality in the brain which is what we want um so it's it's a really it's more vital than it's more vital now than i ever thought it was it was always like you know massive part of what i'm urging people to do is create that owned media create that thing that differentiates them um but now more important than ever as evidenced by our current crazy times. And that being distinctive and, and separating yourself out from the competition, that's the deep work there. That's how brands can really stand out, isn't it? Exactly. You know, there, there is, it's always interesting because when you talk to people about it, they go, oh, but I'm not different from the competition, but you are, you know, you have those unique things that you do. <laughs> You have those little things where you're like, you know, no one else thinks in the same way that you do about that thing. Um, and it's owning those, or or maybe it's the way that you're talking to people, maybe it's the way that you look as a company, you know, it's where the branding comes in, right? Like making things and, and branding goes a lot deeper than just, you know, the way something looks, but the way something feels, the way some, you know, people approach you as a business and have that connection with you. Um, you know, that is your differentiator. There is something that makes you different from the competition. That's why people choose you over other people. Amazing. Okay, next one. Who inspires you? Oh, um, I don't, I don't want to be too cheesy with this. <laughs> um, but really, it's the, there's obviously there's some specific marketers out there that I love listening to. I love Anne Handley. I love um, Seth Godin. They're always my two go-to um, <coughs> proper inspirational people, those two. Um, but in terms of day-to-day -day inspiration, it's definitely going to be the small businesses. Um, and I know it's super cheesy, but it's it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's that passion. And in particular, it's small business passion. It's that drive to create something better and to do something different and to be better. Um, that that I find really inspiring that often when I'm tired and I don't fancy writing something or doing something, that's the thing that makes me think, oh, yeah, I got to do that. Um, you know, it's it's that that passion that kind of really does inspire me and get me to the next step all the time, um, because I know that other businesses are pushing as hard as I'm pushing and that keeps me going. Um, but in terms of like stuff that comes through to my inbox that I enjoy reading from an inspirational thing, it's going to be Anne Handley and Seth Godin. I love them to bits. How much of your working week is spent writing and making content? How much, what, like percentage-wise, would you say that you're you're doing that type of work? Not enough. <laughs> Not <laughs> enough of the week. Um, I think it's going to be a good twenty percent of my week as a minimum. 
Um, I would like it to be more. Uh, Fridays is one of my days that I set aside just to do content work. Sometimes client work creeps in there. So um, it should be a full 20% of my week. Um, but then I often write on the weekends or I'll do it in the evenings and stuff. So um, when I get heavy into book writing and because I'm outlining book number two at the moment and researching, it will creep up to around 40 to 50%. But most of that will be evening and weekend work. Wow. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. to follow on from that question then, um, who do you want to inspire? Oh, <laughs> um, I think I'd love to inspire a, a new generation of marketers. And by, by new generation, I don't mean, I don't mean like a younger generation coming through. I just mean a, a, a new generation of people wanting to do things differently. Um, I really want to get through to marketers and, and people like small business owners who are fulfilling a marketing function i really want to get to those people and teach them that there is a there is a better way to be doing things and there's a different way to be doing things that is more congruent with who you are so i know a lot of people have that icky feeling about sales and marketing um and there is a better way to do it you don't have to do it and feel like that you know um and if you feel like that you're it's probably being done wrong um so trust that feeling um so i'd, I'd love to get through to i'd love to inspire that grouping of people who are looking for that different thing or who are feeling that disconnection with you know like surely it doesn't have to be like this surely i don't have to be doing this stuff i there is a way that you can create content in a way that that gives you deep joy <laughs> you can have that that's that's the people i'd love to inspire the the movers and shakers and troublemakers <laughs> i like it I, I really like it that you know it's people like you kind of that is changing the way that we look at sales and sales people because it, it has got a, 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 a it's been tainted it's got a bit of a dirty name a salesperson and it doesn't need to be because sales you know it's a very simple transaction isn't it it's a very yeah. simple it's a, it's, a, it's a very important element of business. It's one yeah. of the most important parts of business, but it's often looked at in a, in a way that's, I don't know, not in, in quite negative. And I like yeah. it that you're looking at things and looking at and turning sales, not from a salesperson point of view, but from even from a buyer point of view, yeah. but it, turning it into a positive uh, thing. So that's, I really, really like that and what the work that you do. Thank you. It's, um, it's a massive drive sales is we can't have businesses without sales it's not possible right we can't we cannot survive as a business if we're not selling something whether it's like our resources or whether it's a product or a service we have to have that sales function yet we feel so uncomfortable about it um and so if we can just help our consumers and make them feel comfortable about things then you know at the end of the day that's what we all do naturally anyway especially if you're like a it's a very woo-woo term and I'm not very woo-woo at all. But like if you're a more heart-centered business, um, sales is really tough generally mm. um, because it makes people feel really uncomfortable. And there's a way of, of doing that sales and that marketing without feeling like that um, and making sure that you're doing that, that stuff that does make you feel good, which is generally for those businesses helping <laughs> their consumers, right? So you can do that and make sales. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Hey everyone, I just wanted to jump in here and offer my support. If you're looking to solve your business challenges, you're looking for new ideas, or you're simply just looking to grow your organization, then it's time for a new brand strategy. I'd love to know more about you and your business. So get in touch with me through seedcreativity.co.uk and we can get things moving. Now back to the show. 
how do you want to change your industry? What do you want to do differently? <laughs> how, how much do I get to swear? <laughs> yeah. As much as you want. <laughs> um, I'd like to set the fucking thing on fire and burn it to the ground. <laughs> um, is what I'd like to do. Um, massively, I would like to fundamentally change the industry because I think it needs it. It's um, it's definitely lost its way, <laughs> shall we say. Um, and I think we've got, you You mentioned it already, we've got stuck in tactics, we've got stuck in tools, we've got stuck in diagnostics and data, and all of these things are incredibly important, but only if you're using them in the right way. And I get really angry about the whole thing because a lot of the time consultants and businesses, we're, we're just focusing on the wrong stuff. Um, and it's not good for us, it's not good for consumers, and there's just this chasm between uh, businesses and consumers that and we have to bridge that gap somehow. And everything that the that the industry is currently doing is just furthering that divide between the two groups that need one another. And I hate that. Um, it makes me very upset. So yeah, I want I would like to fundamentally alter it. I would like to change it into such a way that we connect the two, that we help make more consciousness choice to be making choices and that we help people make better choices, but that it comes from the right place and not from a manipulative standpoint or a data mining standpoint or data hoarding standpoint. I, I would like to significantly alter things for the better, oh, hopefully. Brilliant. Yeah, I find that with working the, with my clients, the bigger the organization, the more fragmented it is. And the more the operationally departments don't talk to each other and in particular sales and marketing you know sometimes yeah. they're not even in the same room or the same corridor the same floor uh, and they're seen as two completely different divisions and I, I the one thing that you talk heavily about in the book that the life cycle and if yeah. you think of a life cycle we think of a circular like uh, diagram or movement and actually when you've got that circular movement that you know it's all connected everything's connected from operations from a from a brand point of view from a leadership point of view from a marketing point of view it's all so that's my front door um it's all connected and uh so the connected thinking side of things seems quite big on your agenda you know it's something that you that you talk about quite a lot in the work that you do yeah, a hundred percent. One of the things I try and get people to think about as well is like, there are great insights, even just from a marketing team, because marketing, I think always feels, um, feels like the victim in the relationship and very much marketing is the victim in the relationship. It's generally one of the first places to get cut if there is, you know, struggles in the business and that really shouldn't be the case. That's where marketing should come to shine. Um, but marketing, um, should be working very closely with sales because sales knows the end consumer really well. They know the questions that the consumer is asking. They know the problems. They know the struggles. Marketing needs that information to make sure that they're providing the right information for sales. Sales needs to provide that information to make sales own life easier. And then marketing has a job function after sales is already completed. So really, um, these two, at least just marketing and sales should be working closer together, but then operations needs to be coming in to make sure that everything fulfilled and sold it. So there shouldn't be a divide between the departments because we all need one another to do a better job to have that life cycle. Um, if you want to do sales appropriately, if you want to sell your product in the best way possible, sales and marketing have to work very closely and they have to work very closely with operations and fulfillment in order to to get that experience that is seamless um, which is what consumers are demanding so 
I don't think we can afford to have those divides anymore. Um, no. And if yeah. you look at traditional forms of marketing, if we even went back to the, you know, what you learn in school, almost like the four P's, the product, price, place, and promotion, you know, one of those pillars is products. So mm -hmm. a part of marketing is the product. So yeah. in, in, you know, traditionally marketing would dictate what the products are, not the other yeah. way around. And I've, I worked with an organization recently that marketing was an afterthought. They do all the work, they put together their, it was yeah. actually, they were putting on events. And then they go to marketing, go, right, that's the event that we're putting on, promote it. Yeah. Or actually, it should be marketing that should be going to events and saying, this is what people are searching for. This is what people want. This is where the numbers are. The numbers, you know, the narrative is yeah. in the numbers and saying, right, we need to make events around this sort of thing. And it's the other way around, but it's totally antiquated in what we, the way that we do things. I absolutely love what you just said. The narrative is in the numbers. That's brilliant. I'm going to steal that. I will credit you. <laughs> I'm definitely going to steal that, but it's true, right? Because marketing can see where where things are moving, right? So marketing can see, you know, something's happening here, or we're not getting a great response to this, but we are getting a great response to this. There's there's so much that should be fed back into something, and products and and things should not be created without doing that initial market research first. Yeah. you know and that's literally the word market is in there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cool okay so i've just mentioned about the basics there i think and i like to go talk about basics i've got a good friend who um paul chapman and he and he's always going let's go back to the basics with your clients and the work they do what what do you where are the mistakes that you see again and again what are businesses getting wrong in their marketing uh, the fundamental mistake the basic mistake that uh, people tend to make is very much in the awareness journey. They are not clear. Um, most businesses are not clear. I don't think I've ever come across a business that's 100% clear on the awareness journey. So the awareness journey is those stages that people go through when they're deciding to buy a product or a service or they're deciding how to buy it or who they're going to buy it from. So we go through from unaware to problem aware to solution aware to product aware to most aware. Those awareness stages fit the general buying process that the brain goes through. Eugene Schwartz originally created the awareness stages, but the neuroscience backs it up now, which is always nice. Um, but those stages are so important because they help you understand what people are needing at each stage so therefore what they need to be able to come into your into your sales cycle into your marketing cycle to become marketing qualified people need to have certain stages they make it aware like where you need to be focusing that search volume if you do uh, where you need to be focusing your marketing materials where you need to be focusing your advertising what content they need at certain stages that I really feel is the basics because it underpins your customer journey. It underpins your lifecycle marketing stages. It underpins absolutely everything. And vast majority of businesses don't have it like at all. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. Um, okay. So I'm going to jump onto brand now because that's my thing. And I want to kind of bring it into the kind of work that you do. Just a bit of terminology. When we think of brand, for me, I always think of community. And brand is the connection that your community has with you. It has with your products, your services, mm. your campaigns, your business. So if we look at brand building in terms of community building, how much, how much of a role does community building have within the life cycle marketing? 
Um, you know, because at the end of the day, we're looking, a customer is someone who buys twice. So we're trying to build a community here. How, how much of a role does that play in the whole life cycle? Oh, it's massive. <laughs> Absolutely massive. Um, so in order to have a list, you need to be able to get people to opt into something. They need to be interested in it. Um, there's a little bit of brain stuff that goes on there as well with in-groups and out-groups, which is, you know, evolutionary and social psychology, really important to be able to create distinction between those. Um, community is absolutely everything if you want people to get into something and they need to feel like they're part of something in order to be comfortable for buying from you again. And yes, you can definitely get by without having that relationship, without having that sort of community effectively. You can get by with that and you can get one or two sales. But if you want people to keep coming back and to be really loyal customers and to be advocates, so customers that are going out there and telling other people, this is an amazing book, you should buy it. This is an amazing company to work with, you should work with them. This is an amazing product that I really believe in. You have to have created, because they are creating their own communities as a result of that. So you have to have created a much deeper relationship with people. So it's, it's fundamental to what you're doing to build that relationship with the consumer, but more than that, to build a, a space that they feel safe in. And, that, and I don't mean that in like a Twitter safe space or, you know, like a millennial safe space thing, though there's nothing wrong with that. And I advocate that massively, but it's building a place where people can see themselves and, and are comfortable being. And if you can create that and you can create people who feel like they're part of something bigger, you will have loyalty in an amazingly strong way. So, yeah, it's absolutely fundamental to, to what you're doing um, is to have that community element. It's interesting, isn't it? If we look at where our purchasing behaviour, probably probably eighty percent of the things that we buy is purely transactional. You know, we we need we need a bottle of water. We go into that shop, we buy a bottle of water, and then we walk away. You know, we're not part. You know, we, there's no point in going deep into brand and behaviour and these things. It's a purely that they sell the product. I need it's behaviour. But then we've got other things that that are more community driven, like the lo your local boozer uh, or, yeah. or the social media that you use or the trainers that you wear or the clothes yeah. that you wear or the glasses that you wear. It, it, there's, there's these different worlds of business customer relationships uh, from the, like, like, like I said, the purely trans transactional to these kind of tribal clubs that we're part of. And, and you know, how could it, can everyone buy into that world or is it only certain industries and businesses that have that type of relationship with their customers how, do, how does it work this is all we're, we're um definitely tiptoeing into psychographics now psychographics are like so you get your demographics and your psychographics your demographics are like all your statistical stuff about the population right so like your age your consumer's age or your ideal customer's gender or something like that you know like really odd things like they drive a bmw you know that stuff not really that important at the end of the day you know the, there are some signposting things that you can definitely do with that but the psychographics are the stuff that make people people. And they are things like your IAO variables, so your interests, your attitudes, and your opinions. That's what creates that tribalism. And that can be created across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a giant corporate. I mean, look at, look at Coca-Cola, how giant and corporate are Coca-Cola. But how has Coca-Cola managed to create a relationship with people a certain way? It's not always positive. Sometimes that can be a negative relationship as well. Uh, but look at Nike. 
how corporate is Nike? How massive of a company is Nike? And look at how they've tried, they've taken adversity and difficulty around certain situations and turned it into a cause that we feel part of. So much so that people who weren't feeling part of that cause were burning shoes, right? they understood what people's attitudes were towards certain opinions they understood what their interests were and they cultivated that and they created something that you can be part you can be a nike or you can be a little mom and pop store down the road everybody can create that by like really keying into people's psychographic do that because we realities that you know we want to create as a brand but we also our audience has their own personalities that we can tap into as well so anybody can do that and you need to do that because otherwise how do you create that relationship right how do you create a long-lasting relationship without tapping into that yeah i agree okay so you mentioned about nike then and this actually goes into my next question quite well nike very purpose-driven brand um really good community builders you know mm -hmm. people that wear their clothing or have their apps or are just part of their brand are really really connected to it so i'm going to talk about you now and your purpose um i mentioned um purpose I, I got it from a podcast i think it was and it was such a lovely description of purpose that it's your highest level of contribution so in terms of automation ninjas <laughs> what do you feel is your highest level of contribution Ooh. Oh, you, you definitely not pulling any punches here. This is great. I love this. Um, so I love it when you make my brain work. Um, so, okay. Interesting. So I think it's definitely, a it's a small thing. It's a small thing, but it's a massive thing. And it's a small thing in that the highest level of contribution that we make is not in, if you're looking at the consultation stuff that we do, um, and the consultancy that we do. And if you look at, you know, our academy and the book and that kind of stuff, it's, it's not necessarily in the providing of the services. I think the most important thing in that highest level of contribution is the mindset shift. When you give people the knowledge to understand that the brain is working in a certain way, it changes how we feel about our marketing, changes how we feel about our sales, and it changes how we think about the whole thing. That mindset shift is incredibly powerful because it, it, it is such a small little thing, but it changes everything that we do because then we look at our content differently. We look at how we send our emails differently. We look at how we do this differently. And that, that small little shift, even when I just go and do a talk and some, and people go, Oh, I actually get why that, that part of what I'm trying to do is so important now. And it's that little mindset shift that, that we're giving people and then you know, when we're doing consultancy as a business, getting them to see the effects of that mindset shift, that's that's our highest level of contribution as far as I'm concerned. Well, and it definitely worked because it's worked on me reading this book. <laughs> um, do you know what? I have exactly the same thing in my brand strategy sessions. I do all sorts of brand strategy sessions, but the, the, the initial one that I do with companies is very much about the foundational work of the brand. So it, it focuses on purpose, really yeah. deep questions, get really big answers uh, we look at philosophy and vision and it just takes one or two comments from a few different individuals and you get these huge light bulb or eureka moments yeah and it changes everything you see it in people's eyes yeah. and they think ah that is who we are that's what we're all about yeah. and then the rest of the sessions it's like it's like riding a wave because 
the, we start talking about things that can happen in within the organization the internal culture what could the impact look like yeah. then, and then once you start playing around with those ideas and people are really getting creative then it's like how do we market this and then that's when it gets really exciting but yeah those little mindset changes those asking those deep and meaningful questions can just go on to lead into such incredible movements yeah that's exactly it i love that i love that moment where you just see that it's that light bulb moment where somebody goes oh i get that bit and i get how to apply it i get like i get why that thing is important now i get why that thing that you know you know, maybe creating content, getting a blog, making a lead magnet, you know, that thing, suddenly the penny drops and they're like, wow, yeah, that's the important thing. But I understand that. And it like, I understand that because I understand that I need to be increasing the reward activation in the brain. And that's my job is to do that thing or whatever that insight may have been. That's the thing that changes things for people. And that's, that's got to be the highest level of contribution any of us can do in any kind of consultancy mm. capacity. Yeah, when I when I'm with my clients as well, I always really like it when there's a one or two individuals in the room that are really skeptical of what I'm saying yes. and, and think it's fluffy and yes. it's great because they're the ones that have the deepest and the biggest transitions into thinking more about brand. And yeah. you know, I, I have to, with when I'm talking about brand, we have to look at the definitions of brand. And if we look at brand as community, as connectedness of what people feel in their hearts and minds about you, once we start diving into that and really exploring that, and not just from a customer point of view, just from an everyone point of view, a whole people experience of what people think about us and what it's like to work there and what do we want with our lives. And it's like, personal development it's like mindfulness for businesses yeah. um, and if anyone's ever done any listen to this you've done mindfulness and you explore yourself and peel back your layers you know how important it is and that you know we kind of take those ideas and those philosophies and move over to a, a larger business point of view yeah or exercise and the results are just outstanding and i and i that's why there's so many um crossovers between what i do and what you do and i and i love exploring the relationship between brand and marketing and and experience and and the psychology of it because it's that's you know that's more important to me than a logo or a, a sale or a purchase yeah. or anything it's about understanding people and why we do what we do and what drives us forward what gets us up in the morning what excites us because i'm i'm always exploring that as a person you know yeah. i want to I want to be happy in my career. I want to be happy in my business and I want to yeah. make my clients happy as well. Yeah. So that's why this discovery is so important to me. It's, it's connection, isn't it? I think you hit the nail on the head with that, with that word. It's how do you make your business connect in a meaningful way with the consumer? Um, and, and how do you, how do you create that two way relationship? Because I think so many people treat it as a one way relationship. But when you treat it as a two-way relationship, as as two entities connecting, and you know how the the flow of information goes between the two of them, and 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 the flow of money and the flow of you know all those different things, and you create that connection and you get a positive feedback loop between the two. I mean, that's that's perfection, isn't it? That's what we're yeah, all yeah. trying to achieve. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, we're coming to the end now. I can't believe it's been 45 minutes already. So <laughs> I, I kind of want to look to the future, really. What does the future look like for, for hacking brains and, and future of, of, of automation ninjas? Where, where are we going? Where, what, is it, what does it look like? Oh, um, <clears throat> the future is an interesting place for us, I think. 
the drive behind this business is you know in the beginning when the, the company very first started was very much just to provide marketing automation services now that's that's changed quite significantly it's to provide that insight it's to help connect people with their consumers in a far more meaningful way um and and to create those strong relationships those higher conversion rates all that kind of stuff that's where we're wanting to go but i think the future looking at it much bigger picture and not just how it how it is for us but how it is for the industry as a whole we have generations of what i like to call conscious consumers coming through now so if you think about millennials if you think about you know sort of gen z if you think about all of those all of those generations that are coming through these are and, and even generations above that now we have really conscious people who are making conscious consumer choices they're making conscious choices to spend more money with specific companies that fit who they are um who that whose brands match their sustainability requirements whose brands match their moral requirements you know we are moving into an era of conscious consumerism and so I think where we're going is how do we enlighten our consumers even more? How do we speed that process up? How do we help businesses become conscious? How do we help consumers become more conscious? How are we conscious of how we're making those decisions and how we're impacting those decisions? How do we craft that future in a better way? I think that's where we're moving. And what I'd like to think um, is that we're going to help do part of that for a lot of businesses. We're going to help them see how they can help their consumers be more conscious in their choices. And we're going to help through our consultancy, through our academy and through, you know, book one, two, three, as we go through that, we're going to help make that catalyst for that change and help people think slightly differently about things. I think that's where I'd like to think we're going. That's where I'd like the future. Yeah, to be. it's amazing. Okay. So <laughs> anyone that's listening to this now is interested in the books, the academy, you, um, where do you want to send them? Where should they find you? Oh, come and come find us on the website. Um, so we have um, a website. It's just www.automationninjas.com. Um, come check out what we've got. We've got tons of resources on there. There's all sorts of uh, freebies. Um, there's a, a pretty amazing blog there that we put a lot of um, effort and energy into. But definitely check out the book if you like this kind of stuff, if you like the psychology behind things and you want to get more into that kind of thing, then the book is your starting point. You just Google Hack the Buy Brain. You can buy it directly from us from the site. Or if you want to support Amazon, it's on Amazon as well. <laughs> So yeah, but, um, and also feel free to drop me an email if you've got questions about stuff. I love questions. They help inform my content. They help me think about things. They help inform, you know, where my book is going and like book number two is going. So feel free to drop me a, a, a line. It's just kenda at automationninjas.com. Um, but yeah, always happy to chat. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a busy, busy lady, but yeah, that's been amazing. And uh, yeah, let's do this again soon. Oh, thank you. It's been brilliant being here. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> cool. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that chat. I think you could see that Kenda is just an absolute fountain of, of knowledge. She's so passionate, not just about marketing and sales, but about people and why people behave the way they do and why they purchase the way they do and kind of ultimately what what gets them engaging with brands, what leads them to your brand and what leads them along the journey to be part of your community and buy your products and services. So if you are interested in Kenda, you can check her out through her organization, which is Automation Ninjas, but you can also buy her book, uh, Hack the Buyer Brain, 
Um, you can get it through her website, as she mentioned, and you can buy it through Amazon as well and all the other retail outlets that sell the book. But I'll put links to her, her business and her book in the show notes and in the video comments and the video notes. Um, but yeah, check her out. She's absolutely amazing. Um, if you enjoy this type of interview and you think that you've got something to tell and you've got a business that you feel needs a platform, I'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch. Um, we can get you on the show uh, and we can have a conversation about the business and the things that you do. But as always, be useful, be kind, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.